What is up, everybody? It is Demented Gamer back at it again with another episode of Demented Cast. Um, I I know what you're going to say. That special two-review episode still isn't out. Um, Honestly, I'm not going to lie. Kind of got distracted by a little game called Immortals Phoenix Rising, which I'm going to talk about later. Um, But regardless, I am going to still do it. I do want to talk about Ghost of Tsushima, and I want to talk about Miles Morales. So that episode will still be coming. Um, now that I finally finished Immortals, I'll probably do it sometime in the next like two days, either tomorrow or Friday. Um, but I did want to get this episode out because we got a couple things to talk about. Not a lot. Um, honestly, the big one is going to be that Immortals Phoenix Rising review. Uh, but without further ado, remember to always rate this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts. And go ahead and follow me over on Twitter at Demented Gamer. You can also find me on Instagram, TikTok, wherever, all the socials. It's the same exact tag. Uh, You know what to do. But to start off this podcast, I want to talk about GameStop. Oh my God. Uh, They have been in the news and in the limelight the last, what, like two weeks? Because a couple of Reddit people uh, decided to use a little trick to soar GameStop's stock price from $4 all the way up. I think the peak was around like 400 I think since then it has started to dip back down. Um, I believe it is probably like 200 something. Uh, no, oh my god, it's back down to $92. Okay, <laughs> so no, it's not even surpassed 100 anymore. So yeah, since then it has dipped... Um, a lot of controversy around this GameStop stuff. Uh, a particular app, stock app, I used personally. I have since moved over to a different one. But uh, Robinhood broke news because they decided to be like, hey, we're not going to allow you to manipulate the stock market anymore to screw over the bigger people who already, essentially, bigger people, like the big wealthy people would use the same trick. But because the little guys figured it out and were, like, manipulating the stock market, that's not okay because, you know, the little people aren't supposed to be rich. Uh, They're supposed to suffer. So, basically, Robinhood stopped any buying or selling of GameStop stock, of AMC. I believe they also went for, was it Motorola? No, it wasn't Motorola. Some some, uh, cell phone. Uh, manufacturer, but they went after a couple other companies whose stock wasn't so great because of, you know, COVID. Um, but so yeah, they got involved, told everybody, hey, you can't buy or sell this anymore. Uh, that rubbed people the wrong right, wrong way, especially because Robinhood, when they started, a part of the reason they're called Robinhood is because they were supposed to be this investing app that was for like not only newcomers into like investing but they were also supposed to be for the little guys like the their whole mantra was about being for you be like we're not here to keep making the rich richer we're here to help the little guy out and so them doing this and protecting uh the bigger people really rub people the wrong, wrong way and so i i imagine i've already heard they've they've started getting hit with class class action lawsuits so, I mean, this is a thing that's going to develop over time. And it's just, I'm fascinated on what happens next to Robin Hood um, for what they did. Uh, also, apparently Netflix is making a movie already about this. So, yeah, that's something to uh, look forward to, I guess. The Wolf of GameStop, I think they're going to call it. But, um, yeah. I'm also kind of pissed because me and a coworker talked about that very idea, and we had like this whole like quote unquote storyboard <laughs> planned out and everything, and then the news broke that Netflix was making a movie. So yeah, GameStop stock uh, soared. It was all over the news, which honestly, most of you probably saw that and were like, "Why the fuck are they in the news? Who the who the hell still goes to GameStop?" Like. Come on, just start buying your games off like Amazon, go to a Best Buy, go to a Target, you know. Yeah, so whatever. 
the GameStop stock stuff uh, seems to have simmered now. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. And yeah, that's about all I really have to talk about that because, you know, screw GameStop. Their business practice, practice is fucking awful. Um, moving on to more gaming news. Uh, Lucasfilm Games is back, which is exciting. Uh, they have partnered with Ubisoft. They partnered with Bethesda. Um, essentially, their EA's contract with Lucasfilm is like it's gone. I think it's not gone yet. I think they have like one year or two years left. So by the time these new projects come out, the Ubisoft and Bethesda one come out, that contract's no longer. Uh, valid and so they can take to other companies and other studios to make different franchises now um but the interesting part is bethesda is working on an indiana jones game uh it's being done by machine games which i don't know machine games so they did, Machine Games did the Wolfenstein games. Uh, I honestly, I'm not going to lie, I've never played a Wolfenstein game. They've always looked interesting, I've just never jumped into them. Uh, so yeah, they work. They seem to be working on an Indiana Jones game, which actually now that I think about it, kind of makes a little bit sense why it's them. They've made games surrounding Nazis a lot, and you know, Indiana Jones likes punching Nazis, so there's that. Uh but yeah, that's interesting. Todd Howard is apparently overlooking the project. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm very fascinated by this. Uh, they said it's going to be a completely original story for Indiana Jones. And I wonder if they are going to try and correlate this in any way to the next big Indiana Jones film. Which I believe is supposed to, it's supposed to start like really taking off sometime this year uh and i think maybe start filming next year i could be wrong uh i mean let's be honest though like <laughs> not that excited for a new indiana jones film like i love i love those movies but uh you know homeboy's looking a little old so yeah Get excited. I mean, if you're excited about that, good for you. I'm I'm indifferent. I, I kind of want to just see what they do with it. Um, it's going to be really interesting considering, like, people loved the Uncharted games. And I swear to this day that Uncharted was just bootleg Indiana Jones. So, you know, there's that. Uh, moving on, though, Ubisoft is also working on a Star Wars project. Uh, there's no name. There's no release window. Nothing. It's early early developments but it's supposed to be a open world game and honestly i'm just gonna say it ubisoft all i need you guys to do uh first off don't make this correlate to any of the films or any of the previous star wars stories make this its own thing where it doesn't have to fit into the broader star wars universe because as much as i love jedi fallen order one of the things that kind of makes me mad is like it has to go back like it has to tie directly into the broader universe at hand so they're very limited on what they can do so i would really just want them to try to make their own thing uh make it an rpg like let us pick what we want to be we can be bounty hunter we can be a jedi we can be sith it doesn't matter let us pick Let's create our own character, you know, customize our lightsabers, or do we wear ro Jedi robes? Like, just make it a full-fledged open-world RPG Star Wars game taking place in that universe, and let us pick three paths, Jedi, Sith, or Bounty Hunter. Because I'm going to be honest, I kind of want to play as a Mando-type character, just roaming the galaxy, picking up bounties, and killing people. Uh, so, yeah. That's what I kind of want. And also, like, don't, uh, for, like, this overall story, don't make it to where we're going to, like, all these different iconic planets. Like, you can put them in there, but go deeper into that world or into that universe. Take us to planets we've never seen before. Or maybe 
planets that were only like they their name was said or their name was somewhere on a star map in one of the films that we don't know what that planet is like really explore the universe that is star wars because one of the most interesting things about star wars is that mystery of what else is in the universe um so yeah ubisoft is working on one i i, I doubt we'll see anything well we won't see anything this year obviously uh we could possibly see like a small glimpse sometime next year but if i had to put money on it i don't think we'll get this game until maybe maybe uh late 2023 but definitely 2024 so it's one of those things it's going to be far off we're gonna have to wait a very long time to get this game but you know what i'm gonna trust ubisoft to make the right decision uh like i said all i want them to do is don't make this like fall in order where it has to tie back into star wars just make it its own thing let us play and roaming through the galaxy far far away um but as i mentioned jedi fallen order uh even though ea in doesn't have that contract anymore with lucasfilm jedi fallen order 2 is apparently still coming which has me excited because i love that game and i don't i think i said it in the last episode that game got snubbed at the game awards um both last year and the year before uh i think 2019 it was because it was too late it came out too late which is absurd but so that's still coming uh i don't i hope we see something this year like we get some kind of like whisper of jedi fallen order 2 this year but honestly we'll probably have to wait until next year before we see anything on that uh respawn seems to be very very invested in apex right now they just announced that it's finally coming to the switch in march which should be fun uh i can't wait to try it and see how apex works on the switch especially in handheld mode uh because i have i have overwatch on the switch and uh overwatch on the switch is something else let me tell you uh the aiming feels real clunky the um that they, Overwatch is one of those games where it needs to run at 60 FPS and it never runs at 60 FPS on the Switch. So it's it's a strain on your eyes because you have all these like bright colors and everything's moving quick. So Apex is going to be interesting on the Switch. Uh, I hope they pull it off. I hope they make it good. Uh, so yeah, March 9th, I believe Apex comes to the Switch. But anyways, also Fallen Order 2 is still coming Uh but really, Respawn, where the hell is Titanfall 3? Like, at this point, I think Respawn just doesn't want to tell us that they scrapped Titanfall 3. And it breaks my heart because Titanfall 2, I don't feel like Titanfall 2 got enough love when it first came out. And so I ended up just stopped playing it because I never had people to play with. It was so hard to get into games. And um, so I dropped it pretty quick once it came out. But... It it's since got a little bit of resurgence because PlayStation put it up for free. But like respawn, if you if anybody at respawn hears this, please please tell us when we're gonna get Titanfall three. That's all I want. That's all I want. And like also uh, while we're on games that I really want that we don't know if they're still happening, Saints Row five. Uh, supposedly it was still in the works like two years ago, but I haven't heard anything. So yeah. Uh, last bit of Star Wars gaming news I have here is apparently EA and Bioware are not doing this, but somebody else is making a new Old Republic game. Uh, if you don't know, Star Wars The Old Republic is an old on online like MMO RPG, I think. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, I never really played Old Republic. But, uh, new developer is working on a brand new old republic game uh let me see if i can find out who if they announced um who is working on it i don't think so yeah um 
Lucasfilm announced this month that it would be licensing Star Wars games to other companies, including Ubisoft. Do do do. And all I'm seeing is they just said it's not being done by Bioware and EA. So completely new company is taking their spin at an old Republic game. Um, I have a lot of questions. Like, is this going to be like the old one where you play online with people? Or are they going to take a different direction and do just the single player for, um, for Old Republic? So, yeah. That's apparently coming. And, I don't know. I'm a little excited. I never really mess with the Old Republic game. So, I don't really know much about it. But, you know what? If there's a new one coming, I'll wait, see what it looks like, and try it out. Because I'm always down for more Star Wars. Uh, so, yeah. That's it. We got Machine Games is taking their crack at Indiana Jones. Ubisoft is making an open world Star Wars game. Because apparently all Ubisoft does anymore is make open world games. Uh <laughs> We got Respawn is still doing Jedi Fallen Order and a new Old Republic game without EA. So, yeah. Uh, moving on, though, Google, Google has announced that they are shutting down their internal game studio for Stadia. Uh, this doesn't mean Stadia is going away, although I do think this is a very clear sign that Stadia is very close on the chopping block. I'd honestly give Stadia this year and maybe next year. Uh, I don't see Stadia really going past 2022. And so, I mean, like, Google ha Google has a lot of money. Like, we all know this. But I think the thing, and people, people don't realize this with even movies, but the thing is, like, even though they have a ton of money, when they throw tons of money at a new thing and it doesn't stick, they have their investors get very weary and they start pulling out. So they, these large conglomerates have to appease to their investors. If they don't, that's how they start to fail and crumble. So, um, yeah, and I don't really hear anybody talking about Stadia. Uh, the only real thing I can say about Stadia is if you have a PS4 or an Xbox One and don't have a PC or a next-gen console... Uh, you can go play Cyberpunk on Stadia because apparently that's the best version you're going to get because, you know, it's streaming to it. So as long as you got a decent inter internet connection, fuck it, pick it up on Stadia. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't really know what Stadia has going for it. Um, there's so many other things that are looking to be brighter, uh, especially with Xbox. Uh, I just recently... Got a Xbox, uh, what is it, Xbox Game Pass subscription. Yo, that Xbox Game Pass is awesome. <laughs> like, they have all the Yakuza games, which is nice, because those are always games I've looked at and wanted to try, so now I can. Uh, but yeah, Stadia, they don't have a studio making them games anymore. Uh, they did say that they will still continue to get third-party games on there, but they will no longer be working on their own exclusive titles. And I, I just, I think this is further proof that Stadia was a reactionary thing. It was never fully thought out and it's just on the chopping block and it's only a matter of time before Stadia disappears and Google forgets about it and it tries to erase it from its uh, public image, if you want to say. So yeah, Google Stadia, Eternal Studio, shutting down. Uh... If you want, let me know. I, I don't know. I thought about doing this, but uh, tweet at me and let me know, like, your guys' thoughts on anything I talk about here. Because I'd really like to know. I'd like that back and forth. Um, moving on, though, we got two Marvel things before I get into this review. Uh, WandaVision happened. And also, Thor Love and Thunder is now filming in, I believe they're filming in Australia. And a couple set photos have revealed a couple people are going to be in the movie, which isn't a shocker because they already announced that they would be. But uh, I think it's Peter Quill, Chris Pratt, um, Nebula, and um, 
James Gunn's brother. I don't, I cannot remember his character's name, but they're all, they were all three seen on the Thor Love and Thunder set. There's one of Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, I'm glad to see like things like this starting to happen again in the world. It gives me a little bit of hope because, you know, we're going into like the final wrap up of year one of COVID and it's looking a little spooky and it's looking like we're going to be all huddled up and locked down for the next year. So, you know, it gives me a little hope, uh, but at the same time, not so much just because like Marvel hasn't announced that they're pushing Black Widow back, but they have announced it's coming to Disney Plus. And with COVID still doing its thing throughout the world, and especially this country and the way people in America have been acting, uh, it doesn't look like everybody will get to go and experience Black Widow in a movie theater in May. So, you know what? Disney, I hate to say it, but just release the shit on Disney Plus. Like, do a theatrical and Disney Plus release. Do what HBO Max is doing or Warner Brothers is doing. It's on Disney Plus for a month, and then it has a full theatrical run. Is it going to suck because you're not going to recoup the full cost? Like, Black Widow was easily going to surpass or easily make $1 billion. Easily. Um, mainly, the only reason I say that, and I say that with such confidence, is people were very hyped for Black Widow. People have wanted a Black Widow film for a very long time, and because it was finally happening people are just going to flock to that movie. And it was, honestly, I expected it to look similar to what that first Wonder Woman movie looked like. Um, we're not going to talk about 1984, but uh, that what that first Wonder Woman movie looked like or what Endgame looked like. It was going to be a movement, like something you didn't want to miss out on. Um, so, well, it sucked for them because they're going to lose a lot of money because... They spent a buttload making it. They spent a buttload marketing it. I think, like, I mean, before COVID really, like, took full swing here in America, it was coming out in, what, two months? Three months? Two months, really. Because for us, like, people didn't start, like, shutting everything down until, true like, March, really. Um, so, yeah. Like, they'd already spent all this money on marketing. They had spent it on the film. Like, it was ready to come out. Um, and so they won't recoup all their money. But at this point, like, just give it to us. Like, I don't want to feel entitled, or I don't want to sound entitled or anything. Just give us Black Widow. Just give it to us. I got off topic. What were we talking about? Thor, Love, and Thunder. Um... <laughs> So yeah, it's filming. I'm I'm incredibly excited for this movie. I loved Ragnarok. Uh, I think this direction that Taika Waititi has taken Thor is absolutely 100% so much better than the first Thor movies. I mean, I still like Thor 1, Thor The Dark World happened. But like what Taika has done with that character is nothing short of wonderful, magical, and just... Absolutely cannot wait to see what Taika does this time. Especially since, like, one of the things I love so much about what Taika did was he truly made Thor what, like, you would think Thor would be. Like, this is a somebody who is a literal god walking amongst the people. He doesn't understand their customs. He doesn't, un he doesn't understand all these different weird nuances that the humans have or the these other races in the universe have and so like that's his comedic charm that's his humor that's where it all comes from and Taika really got to play with that and explore that um so yeah I'm very excited it's nice to see all these things start filming and the world is trying to get back to something normal because I think at the end of the day I think that's what we all need we just need something normal um so yeah, Thor Love and Thunder is filming, it's happening, it's coming, we just gotta get through it, please wear a fucking mask, it's all I ask, wear a fucking mask. Um, moving on though, WandaVision is here, uh, it's been a while since we had anything Marvel, anything MCU related, uh, the last Marvel thing we saw was in 2019, and that was far from home, like, it's been a very long time, and 
WandaVision is great. I love it. Uh, I've seen a lot of not, I don't want to say just direct hate, but there's a lot of people just saying, oh, this is weird. I don't like this. This isn't good. It's too slow. Um, a lot of people saying, oh, they only have nine episodes. They don't get to be slow or have a rough buildup. And to those people, you don't get to come back on episode four or episode three and be like, oh, this show is really good. No, fuck you. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I love WandaVision, um, as somebody who just loves old TV and old movies and just being a cinephile, I think WandaVision is so great. The first two episodes work perfectly because it, and this is a spoiler warning for WandaVision, the first four episodes, because I am filming this on Wednesday, February 3rd, so episode five is not out yet, but Spoiler warning for WandaVision episodes one through four. Um, so the first two episodes introduce us to Wanda and Vision, but Wanda and Vision in a sitcom reality. They're in the, I think they're like 60s and 70s, I believe. Or no, 50s and 60s is episode one and two. It's all black and white. As to the motif of this being old school sitcom. Um, it references things to like shows like the Dick Van Dyke, um, and it it's done in such a playful and fun way, and really gets that comedic charm down that those old sitcoms have. But not everything's so great in Westview, New Jersey, where they are apparently located, and uh, we see them kind of. Wanda and Vision have these moments with the castmates, as we'll, as they are referred to later in episode four. Um, they have these weird encounters, like in episode one at the dinner table, where uh, Vision's boss and his boss's wife are over, and his boss starts choking after like pressuring them about like where they came from and why don't why they don't have kids and. Just choking. A lot of people have theorized that Wanda ended up making him choke um, because you can see like her fingers like move or like twitch when he starts. And I I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting theory. I don't know if that's necessarily Wanda. Um, I think that's more of because if you watch Elizabeth Olsen in that scene, that's more like she's her fingers are kind of twitching throughout that scene, like she's scared, like frightened, and so. Her Fingers are twitching. It is very odd, though, when she, like, breaks character and gets very stern, looks at Vision and tells him, Vision, help him. So, like, that, that is obviously very weird. Um, but I don't necessarily think she was the reason he started joking. I could be wrong. Like, this is all theory. Uh, but I do think, I think it was just more of a coincidence that, like, in that shot, you saw Wanda's hand twitch. And he was, cho he started choking. Um, moving on to episode two, we get to see them in their like magic act and everything. Vision can apparently get drunk, but he gets drunk off gum that clogs his like inner workings. So that's that's weird. We got drunk Paul Bettany. Um, so that was fun. Uh, episode three, though, we like at the end of episode two, we see that beekeeper come out of the manhole. Wanda has a very weird moment where she tells him no and it does like the old VCR rewind back into the house like nothing happened um that was the other thing too like there's these weird edits throughout the episode um when any, whenever a person starts questioning the reality that they're in it does weird cuts um it happens again in episode three but that like in episode threes it doesn't do a rewind. It literally takes that scene where Vision starts questioning everything. Um, well, I think they both question it. And it does a weird cut. And you kind of like take yourself. Like me and a friend were watching it in a watch party on Disney+. Plus, and we both kind of went, wait, what? Because that's how quick and sudden it is. It literally it makes you think real quick. Like, wait, did Disney Plus fuck up? But no, it's intentional. It's the reality trying to like 
reset itself and be like, no, no, don't, don't question anything. This is all normal. But we do get to see at the end of episode two that Wanda is now magically pre- pregnant. Things go from black and white into color. We get into the 70s. Uh, I believe episode five is going to be the 80s episode just based off we keep jumping into a different decade every episode uh but she's pregnant in episode three gives birth to twins which are in the comics wanda envisions kids are speed and wiccan uh it's a whole weird thing with mephisto and agatha harkness i didn't even talk about agnes but yeah so that was cool it was really fun to see them like talk about names for the kids or for the kid, they don't know it's twins, obviously, but uh, we see Vision and Wanda like exchange this fun little banter about what to name the kid, and she says Tommy, and instantly I was like, oh shit, it's happening, it's here, we're getting it. Um, but then we Vision goes outside, um, and earlier he had like had this weird moment with their neighbor Herb, who was trimming his bushes. But ended up cutting into the brick wall with the chainsaw. Um, So that kind of like triggered Vision a little bit. Like that's weird. But he goes out there and he leaves Wanda with um, Geraldine. Who is Monica Rambeau. Who is the daughter to um, the Captain, Captain Marvel's friend from her movie. It's her daughter all grown up. She is first. We learn in uh, episode four why, like how she got there. But she leaves. Vision leaves her with Wanda, and Wanda's like, "Well, I was a." And this, this is when I say Elizabeth Olsen deserves at least a nomination for her performance in the show. I absolutely mean it because she is killing it. Um, she does a lot of acting where she emotes. Um. Not so much her, like, dialogue and everything, but the way she uses her face, her expressions to emote every emotion she has. And those dramatic tonal shifts is absolutely breathtaking. It reminds me of Anthony, I think it's Anthony Starr is his name. He plays Homelander in The Boys. It reminds me of his scene in season one of The Boys on the airplane. If you've seen The Boys... If you haven't, spoilers for the boys season one. But if you have, you know what I'm talking about. Where he shifts instantly from being this almighty protector to looking at Queen Maeve and going, let's go. Um, so like those sudden tonal shifts in her character and her voice and her facial expressions are absolutely perfect. And I love it. Um, I think Elizabeth Olsen is absolutely killing her performance in this show. But we get one of those really nice moments of that with her and Geraldine, or her and Monica. And she go, they're looking at the twins in the crib, and she goes, well, I was a twin. And it becomes this very deep and like almost haunting scene now, because she's remembering her brother Pietro. And she goes, well, I was a twin. His name was Pietro. And you hear... Because in Infinity War, when we pick up with Scarlet Witch and Vision, Wanda no longer has her Sokovian accent. It's um, This can actually happen in real life, where if you spend too much time outside of that and you're hearing this a different accent, you'll lose that accent. But you don't entirely lose it. Obviously, when you say certain words, it'll come out. And so when she says Pietro, her Sokovian accent sneaks out um and it's one of those moments where also you're remembering like Wanda has all this PTSD and all this trauma not just from having to kill Vision and see him die twice but she also lost her brother the only person she really had to be close with and the next person to that was Vision and she had to kill him and then watch him die again so like it's this haunting scene where all these things are correlating in Wanda and she's remembering that and Monica mentions Ultron and 
it becomes this really weird scene where, again, Elizabeth Olsen just pulls this off so well where she's no longer, like, smiling or happy. She looks at Monica and tells her, where did you come from? Or asks her, where did you come from? And when Monica doesn't answer uh, and keeps pressuring Wanda, she tells her, Wanda tells her she should go. And she notices her Monica's necklace, which is a sword, and it's supposed to be four sword, which is it. It's an offshoot of Shield in the comics. Whatever, it, we'll get there. But um, yeah, so she notices that and asks her what that is, and Monica tries to calm Wanda down, and then all of a sudden it cuts again, and we don't see what happens to Monica. Vision comes back in and he asks her where Monica went and she goes, oh, well, she left, dear. And she, once again, she makes that dramatic tonal shift back to her sitcom self. And they both uh, hold one of the babies and sit on their couch and it leaves us panning out from them on the couch. But... There's another haunting thing where Vision kind of like looks down and then looks up. And he's not looking at their TV. He's looking above it. And he's looking directly at us. And he has this look of fear in his eyes. Um, so yeah. Honestly, personally, episode three so far out of the four has been my favorite because of that end. Like every single thing Elizabeth Olsen has done in this show has been absolutely great, but that really showed me the kind of actor she can be and has me very excited for the future. Um, episode four is more of, it was great. Um, it does a really good job at explaining everything and like the backstory, some of the backstory, because obviously there's a lot of mystery to this show that like, will slowly get uncovered until we just get to the real batshit crazy stuff at the end. Uh, but it takes a break from the whole sitcom reality and we see what everything looks like from outside Westview. And we see that whatever is happening in Westview, nobody can, the people around Westview don't believe Westview exists. Um, it's like it has been erased from their memory. We get to see, um, the FBI agent from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, we get to see how Monica Rambeau arrived there and got sucked into this new reality. Um, Kat Dennings is back playing Darcy Lewis from the Thor films, which was, it's always great. I love her. I think she's hilarious. Um, but that episode is especially great because it opens with Monica being pieced back together. And at first, it's a close-up of watching her face be pieced back together. And at first, my first initial thought was, wait, wh what happened to her when she got kicked out of the reality? And then it hit me, and I was like, oh, oh, we're not seeing the direct aftermath of that. This is Hulk's snap in Endgame to bring everybody back. And that's where it hit me, I was like, Oh, Monica was snapped. And we get to see this real horrifying sequence of, like, I think Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors behind Infinite War and Endgame, had said, like, oh, no, it was a peaceful transition or whatever back. Like, nobody was really hurt. If you were in an airplane, you were just put, like, on the ground where that airplane was. So, like, it was a peaceful transition, but, like, this paints it as, no, this was chaos. Like, all these people just all of a sudden reforming into this place that they were five years ago. So, nothing is the same as it was when they left, but they don't feel like anything changed. Like, they don't know that it's been five years. Um, uh, we also get to find out that Monica's mom not only founded S.W.O.R.D., but... She also passed away two years after the first snap. The snap Thanos did to dust everybody. Her mother was fighting cancer. She came back. It came back and took her life two years later. 
or three years later, I believe. And then I think it was two years beyond that. Yeah, two years later, then Hulk would snap to bring Monica back. But, um, yeah. So we get to find that out. We got to meet who is essentially, like, running S.W.O.R.D. And uh, I don't trust him. Uh, (laughs) I think he is up to something. It's really weird that he gave Monica access to drive into S.W.O.R.D., but then cut her off from entering any other facility. Um, That was all a, like, power play. Like, no, 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 you don't get to walk around here yourself. I'm going to walk you around and make sure you don't snoop. Um, So I don't trust him. But that was a really fun episode. It gave us a lot of answers to questions we had, um, showed it. And it ends with us seeing the what happened at the end of... What we didn't see at the end of episode three, we finally got to see at the end of episode four. So it cuts back to Monica and Wanda. And we see the scene play out where Wanda uses her red chaos magic to send Monica flying through not just one, two, or three walls, but four walls, which, if you don't understand what I'm saying, she sent her through the fourth wall into the real, re- into the normal reality, sending her out, and then fix the holes in her, in her house with magic. So it like hints at this weird thing where maybe Wanda is the villain. Like she's the overall, like she has no outside help doing this to her. Um, I I think that really could be the case, but also maybe not. Maybe there, maybe she's somewhat, she's mostly in control, but somebody is manipulating her to do this. Um, it just, it keeps getting more interesting. Uh, I can't wait for episode five. If you've watched the short little promo, I've kind of watched it. I didn't like eagle eye it. I just kind of briefly glimpsed at it and was like, okay, I'm not going to look at it anymore. But it looks like things are about to get real nuts. Um, There is a shot of Vision standing at the actual wall of the um, Westview reality. So WandaVision so far is fantastic. And I can't wait to find out what the hell is going on. Uh, it, it's absolutely great. I love WandaVision. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have on my notes for like news and everything. The And the final thing I have on my notes is my Immortals Phoenix Rising review. And uh, spoiler alert for my review and spoiler alert for the game. Uh, I'll try to not really talk too much about the overall story and spoil it. But just in case, there could be spoilers, so proceed with caution or just, you know, go play it, come back to this. Um, but for the most part, I'm going to try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible. I will let you know if I'm going to spoil anything before it happens. But regardless, spoiler for my review, um, I love the game. Uh, I absolutely adore it. It is my game of the year for 2020. And I... I break my notes down into pros and cons, and I just kind of bullet point things. Um, and I'm going to start with my cons because though my cons list isn't that big. So starting off with my cons, um, the game has a lot of ra- random just those just BS like open world like here's a chest here, here's this here, here's this here, go collect it. Like a lot of that. It's not really a con. Um, it's just one of those things that, like, it's getting to the point where every open world does it, so it's just becoming mundane and repetitive. But it's not so. It's not bad. Um, it it just gives you something to do. It just feels like a lot of bloatware, essentially, for the map. Um, there, there are. Also, quests that you can be given by the gods after restoring them to their... Like, the whole point is you are supposed to res- find these gods and restore them to themselves. And you're supposed to take down the evil titan Typhon. And so once you do, you get all these side quests. Um, I didn't really do a lot of them. Uh, I kind of 
restored the gods and did other side quests. I went around doing the puzzles, collecting chests to get more gear, and just leveling up Phoenix to go fight Typhon because I want to kick a big giant motherfucker's ass. <laughs> and so I didn't do a lot of them. They weren't really a con, uh, but I don't know. I didn't. I just didn't really look at them as too great. Uh, I want to go back and just do them all because I, I love that game. And I just want to play more of it. But yeah, they they didn't. None of the side stuff really seemed that like intriguing. Um, but I that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy doing any of it. I I love playing the game. I think the game's fun as hell. Um, my other thing was the game is pretty easy. Uh, typically. Some games I will play on hard. Uh, I played both Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Valhalla on hard. I've played God of War on hard. Like, there's a lot of games I will just play on hard because I find games to be a little bit too easy and I want a little bit of a challenge. Um, But I decided to play this one on normal. And the reason I did that was, well, one, didn't mean to originally, but I just decided, you know what, fine. After playing Valhalla, which... If you listen to last week's episode, or last the last episode, I don't want to say last week. If you listen to the last episode, you'll know that game's a chore to get through. I just kind of wanted to play this game and zone out. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll leave it on normal and just zone out with this game. And I enjoyed it. Um, I thought that was a fine addition. I did just find it, once I hit like my 10 to 15 hour mark, um, I had gotten Phoenix to a point where... I was just, unless I was in Typhon's actual area, because the way the map is structured is you have, it literally is structured to where one area is for this god, one area is for this god, the other, and so on, so on. And then you have at the very top of the map, it's separated by water, and you have to like fly, you have to glide over there with your wings at a later point in the story. Um, But the main part of the map is four sections and then one in the middle and that's Typhon's area. You have a lot of harder uh, enemies to fight there and whatnot. And so unless I was really over there, I didn't have that much of a challenge once I hit my 10 to 15 hour mark. Um, I wouldn't say Phoenix was like OP either. Like I wasn't at that OP status. It was just, they weren't that much of a challenge. And maybe that was just because I learned how to combo my abilities with my normal attack and my heavy attack. Um, which, that that I'll get to because that's on my pro pros. But um, So yeah, it, was a little, it felt a little easy after my 10 to 15 hour mark, which isn't truly that bad. It would just be nice if it was a little bit more challenging. Um, but yeah. Every so often I would have issues, but for the most part, easy. So yeah, Um, that's really it for my cons though. (laughs) Like I said, I don't have many for this game. I thought this game was great. Uh, For my pros, uh, Zeus, the the whole story is essentially narrated by Prometheus to Zeus. If you don't know your Greek mythology, Prometheus stole fire for the mortals. Zeus punished him by chaining him to a rock. And a hawk would come by and eat out his guts. I think, I don't remember how many days would pass before that would happen. But essentially, that was his torture for the rest of eternity. So, like, once the hawk would eat his guts, he would heal and it would happen again. Um, And that was his torture for defying Zeus. Because Zeus took away fire from the mortals to punish them. Um, So... Prometheus is narrating to Zeus this story about this mortal hero who saved the world. And they have this fun banter throughout the entire game. Because if you know your Greek mythology, you know Zeus is a pretty... Sh- he was He's a shitty father. Uh, he's not great. And so there's a lot of like fun things with that. Um, each and every god you save is one of Zeus's kids, obviously. So like... They talk shit on Zeus. He has something to say when Prometheus tells him these things. And so it just added this extra comedic layer to the game and my playthrough where I never got bored of it. Um, Every time 
Prometheus and Zeus talked and bantered with one another. It was always fun and interesting. Um, there was honestly times where I wouldn't want to go and talk to someone because they were in the middle of their banter. Um, going back to my thing about it being too easy, and when I said that it could just be because I learned the combos, that's a pro, is the combos in this game feel so rewarding once you learn it. Like, the combat, the combat is easy easy to learn but once you master like comboing um because you get an ability where like spears shoot up through the ground and it knocks certain enemies in the air um you can get another ability where you slam this giant hammer down you get another one where you fly forward really quick to knock them back um there's one where you get a bird in the game named Phosphos, and you get an ability where Phosphos will shoot fireballs down at the enemies, and then you have your normal and your heavy attack uh, with your sword and your axe, and then you have a bow. And so when you finally learn like all the combos with your abilities and your normal and heavy attacks, the game becomes very rewarding when you attack an enemy and especially when you get in these big fights, like um, if you go over to Typhon's area where the harder enemies are, there's also chests over there that just sit in the world, but to they'll be locked. And the way to unlock them is to defeat all the enemies surrounding them. And there was one chest in particular, and this was one of the areas where it's like, okay, this is this was a challenging fight, and it's because there was um, a there's these enemies that have like multiple arms they're super tall there's also a bunch of smaller like grunt type enemies but some of them had the shields so you have to like hit them with your dub your heavy and then quick attack them or use one of your abilities to knock them in the air and so like that was one that was really challenging but i died the first time because i messed up and accidentally ended up falling off the side of the cliff it was pretty great i wish i got that recorded but uh when i came back i took more time and i took like i took the time to actually combo my abilities and my attacks and so i was flinging the grunts up in the air and that my spear move was at a point where when i would do that they would instantly become stunned because each enemy has a stun meter and so when I do that and they get stunned, those guys were already stunned. And I could quickly use my sword to kill them and then I can focus on the harder enemies. So that's that was just the combat is so fast paced and fluid and really feels rewarding once you learn all the different combos you can do. Um, I put this on my pro it's not really pro or con, just something I wanted to know. The game doesn't do anything really new with the open world genre. But that's not a bad thing. Because it takes mechanics from other open world games and just perfects them. Or takes them in kind of like, almost like it's Play-Doh and reforms it into a different shape. Um, so it's not a bad thing that it does that. It does, but it. It is something I wanted to note that it doesn't feel like there's too much innovation, but everything that it takes from a different game, they perfect. Um, they do in a way that makes it feel different or makes it feel refreshing. Um, the, the best way I've heard Immortals described in terms of like what it feels like is it's Assassin's Creed Odyssey meets Breath of the Wild meets something like Devil May Cry or Bayonetta like those games that are really heavy on like hitting those combos um so yeah that that is probably the best way I've heard the game described in terms of how it plays um another pro Phoenix as your main character she is an absolute delight and yes I said she you can pick your gender but I'm sorry I'm saying it just like I said with Assassin's Creed Odyssey if you play the male version, you're, you're, you're not playing it right. I, I truly believe that Phoenix was supposed to be a female protagonist. Um, just like I, I have a feeling that Cassandra was supposed to be the main protagonist. 
and it was just switched at some point in development because of higher-ups. Uh, I have no proof of that. Um, Ubisoft, if you hear this, uh, don't hate me for saying that. But, uh, yeah, I just believe that the female version of Phoenix is the true version of Phoenix, and I believe Cassandra in Assassin's Creed Odyssey is the true way to play that game. Anywho, uh, Phoenix is an absolute delight. Um, the voice actor for Phoenix, she is abs- she kills it. Um, Phoenix is, in all intents and purposes, if you played or you know the character of Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, in Marvel Comics or even in the most recent Avengers game, she is somebody who looks up to the gods and really looks at them and like she admires all the heroes like Hercules and um, wants to be like them. And so like you have these fun moments where she's taking everything seriously, but people keep cracking jokes at her. They don't take her seriously. And so like it's this heartwarming story of someone who just wants to be accepted and be a hero and truly has something to prove not only to people but she's also proving this to herself like for most of the game you would think oh phoenix is just trying to prove everyone wrong and like everybody who's ever said she doesn't amount to anything or she can't be like her older brother who's so like we keep hearing her brother is this amazing hero and this amazing warrior who Phoenix looks up to with everything. And so, like, now you think, oh, she is just one of those stories where she has something to prove. But it's done in a way where that's not her end goal. She's not truly trying to prove herself to everybody else. She's proving it to herself. And she's also proving that, like, being a hero isn't always about... um being the strongest or the fastest it's just about being uh warm-hearted and being a good person overall doing things for the right reason and for that i think she is one of my favorite protagonists in any video game like it's nothing new like this isn't a new concept for characters to be obviously like this is something that exists in any medium but it's done very well in this game, and yeah, I absolutely enjoyed it. Um, the game does not take itself serious either, <laughs> despite what I just said. I, um, but the game doesn't. It it has a lot of fun. Like Greek mythology, it uses Greek mythology and makes fun of a lot of Greek mythology's tropes, like Zeus having all these kids and being a bad dad. Like it really. That's the other thing, too, is, like, this game's also about family. Like, um, Phoenix's whole goal is not just to save humanity from getting turned to stone, but she's also trying to save her brother. And, um, yeah, the game's about family at the end of the day. I won't spoil the, like, end of it, um, but there there's another reason. And at the end, it really comes apparent that this story is about family and never giving up on family, always believing in family. Um, But it also, like I said, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It has a very serious um, concept or it has a very serious story, but at the same time, it makes light of itself. People are always cracking jokes. They're having fun. Um, Hermes is a character that Phoenix meets very early on into her journey. And at first doesn't know who it is. And Hermes, although he's kind of a dick, he's also very fun and lighthearted. And he's always cracking jokes at Phoenix. Um, Another thing I want to mention is when you go to, you have to go to this, I think it's the Hall of Gods is what it's called. Um, And that's where you can upgrade your gear. You can upgrade to get new abilities and all that. And... There's one spot where you upgrade where, like, Phoenix does, like, a quick workout. And by the end, she, like, does, she strikes a pose um, showing off her muscles. And, like, Hermes is standing there next to her doing the same thing. And so, like, he's always there. He's always cracking jokes. He was a fun character. Um, But that's what I mean by it doesn't take itself too seriously. It still has fun. Like, this is a game that 
although it has a serious element to it, it also knows how to add comedy in the right way. Um, and then back to Zeus being a horrible father, it really humanizes Zeus to that. Um, it, like you're, you're talking about literal gods, but they're all human. They all have their f- own flaws. They all have their own insecurities. Like one of my favorite gods to save in the game was Ares. And it's um, spoilers, minor spoilers. Um, if you don't want to know anything about saving any of the gods, I would turn this off or skip ahead. Um, but spoiler warning, just in case, uh, you go and find him and he's a chicken. And it's real fun because he was turned into that and he's supposed to be this mighty god of war. And now he's just this chicken who can't stop saying cluck cluck and stuff. And he also breaks down to Phoenix and he tells Phoenix all about his insecurities and tells Phoenix about how much he loves uh, Aphrodite and all this stuff. Like it, it does a good job at making them, making you look at these literal gods and going, oh, but they struggle with the same things I struggle with. Like they have their own fears and insecurities, um, and it does the same thing with Zeus. It sh- like Zeus, throughout your playthrough, the further you get into the story, the deeper you go. Each time Zeus speaks up, you hear him have all these regrets about the way he raised his kids, or just the way he treated mortals. And you really get to see a growth in Zeus, which is very interesting of a move for this game. But it was so welcomed, and I adored every minute of it. Um, But yeah, so yeah, Immortals Phoenix Rising is absolute wonderful just amazing like i i i can't wait because i'm i'm honestly i have so many other games to play but i honestly just want to restart and do a new game plus already because i just want to keep diving into this world and experiencing these characters and running around with them and like phoenix is she's a fun character prometheus zeus or not Poseidon, um, Ares, Hermes, uh, Hephaestus, um, oh god, what, what are their names, oh no, I'm having a blank, but all of the characters are just fun, and they have their own unique way of expressing themselves, and yeah, it's an absolute delight, uh, I need a sequel, um, I'm really glad to, that I played this game, after playing Valhalla. Um, as much as I love Assassin's Creed. I'm a huge fan. Like I have a, I have the symbol tattooed on my arm. Um, Ubisoft. If you listen to this. Hit me up. With maybe. Maybe hook a brother up with a. A copy of the next Assassin's Creed. Or maybe a. Maybe a copy of the next Immortals game. If you. If you guys decide to greenlight a sequel. <laughs> But no, in all seriousness, like, as much as I love Assassin's Creed, Valhalla was very dark. It was a chore to get through. It's slow. And so I'm glad that I got to play that before playing Immortals because I got to go from that dark, gloomy game to something that was just a breath of fresh air and something that reminded me of old, older games I'd play as a kid on the PS2 like Jack and Daxter or Sly Cooper or Ratchet and Clank or even Oddworld. Like, it reminded me of all those old games that just bring me joy and happiness because they're just fun. They don't take themselves too seriously, but they also tell very grown-up and adult stories. So, yeah, um, I applaud. Oh, God, did I forget the studio that did this? Immortals Phoenix Rising which Ubisoft Studio did this it was the same one that did Ubisoft Quebec they also they were the ones that did Odyssey Um, and this feels like 
this was a passion project. This feels like a labor of love. Um, and I, I really hope they get to make a sequel. Uh, I can't wait to pick up the DLC for this game. Because this is definitely a game that I want to play the DLC for. Because I just want to keep living in this world. Um, but yeah, Ubisoft Quebec. If anybody from Ubisoft or Ubisoft Quebec specifically hears this podcast, just know that I I love your game. <laughs> I have my issues with Ubisoft games in general. But like I love what you guys have put together. And it's absolutely a delight. And I can't wait to see what you guys do next. So yeah, that's all I have to say on that. I'm going to stop gushing over this because that just turned into a weird rant. Um, that's all I have for this episode. Hour-long episode. I feel like, you know, we had a couple good things. Uh, like I said, I will make sure I'm going to get out that special review episode. It'll be out f- probably Friday night or Saturday morning. So yeah, just keep an eye out for that. This episode's going up either tonight or tomorrow from recording this. And yeah, follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at DementedGamer. It's a six instead of a G. Um, Follow this podcast, rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever. Um... And that has been episode 13 of Demented Cast. Peace.